Welcome to Staying in the Black, a show about teachers and money. I'm Miss Black, a New York City educator, single mom, and personal finance translator. Join me as I build my runway to retirement. Each week, we'll share actionable steps, resources, and inspiration that educators can use to maximize their benefits and improve their personal finances. Staying in the Black means having more assets than liabilities and being able to pay off your debt without any problems. Stop living paycheck to paycheck and build a joyful life. Thank you for joining me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Staying in the Black. I'm Ms. Black, your host. And today's episode is a New York State episode. So sometimes I mostly if I do an episode, I'll say like it's a New York City specific, but this is New York State specific episode and it is about tier six. So if you're not from New York, you may be asking, what is tier six? What does that mean? And if you are from New York, you still may be asking, what is tier six? What does it mean? So our retirement system as teachers is broken up into tiers. When I became a teacher in 1998, we envied and we drooled over tier one members. So I don't even know when tier one started, but there were still a lot of teachers in the system in 1998 who belonged to tier one. And what that meant was that they could retire 30 years of service um, at 55 and they received 75% of the highest three out of the five, the last, the most recent five years of teaching. So that was a lot of money. And that just said, like, I can stop working at 55 and I can, you know, have this really great pension. It would be 75% of my salary. And if I continue to live in New York City or New York State or nine of the other you know states that don't tax, tax your pension, I would receive seventy five percent of my salary. So if I li- if I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year gross for the past five years, if my pension was like it came out, I could earn seventy five thousand dollars a year in pension with only having to pay federal tax on it, not New York state and city tax. So that was a lot of money because like you're getting that in one lump sum, unlike your net salary now that is taken out with what you contribute, contribute to your retirement and social security and state tax and city tax and federal tax and all of those things. So we were like, oh my God, 75% of your salary then came tier three, four. So in tier three, four, you would have to work for 30 years, retire at 55, but in tier three, four, we only, we only receive 60% of our final salary. So that was a reduction of 15%. And that's when I started noticing things. So I've never really been a heavily union person. Um, I understand that the importance of unions is that they protect workers and there wouldn't necessarily, there wouldn't be a need for a union if 
workers' rights were being protected. So no matter what you think about unions, whether you're pro-union or you're post-union, um, an administrator or a teacher, you know, because there's just certain things in the contracts that you're looking at it like, are you serious? But I realized that in order for that to be in the contract, someone had to be violating someone's rules for them to say, I need to put in writing that you can't do this to me, or I need to put into writing that this can't be done. All that to be said, that's how we come up to the tiers. And so again, tier one, two, tier one, 75%, 30 years, retire at 55. Tier three, four, 60%, 30 years can retire at 55. And then we get to tier six. So there, you, you may be asking, is there a tier five? There is a tier five. I believe it was only available for maybe two years, right? Not even a full two years was tier five. And they work for, I believe, 30 years. They can retire at 57 and they get uh, 60% of their retirement as well. But then you had tier six because there's things people weren't happy with tier five either. But to me, tier six is far worse because tier six is 40 years of service. You can't retire until you're 63 and you must contribute to your pension throughout your whole work period, which in tiers three and four, we contribute for 3% for 10 years and you're there. So I'm kind of jumping all over the place. And I want to say like this episode is around tier six specifically, but tier three, four members should also be listening to this. And tier six members should also be listening to this because this is going to come up for negotiation again. And what I noticed when I was a teacher just coming in is that the majority of the people who are in the current tier are the people who are voting on the next tier. And when they do this, I feel like you always sell out the future workers. Like you only think about like harvesting or getting all you can for you and your tier, but you don't think what you're setting up for the future. And I kind of get that mentality. But if you want to think about your children who may be following your footsteps as educators, you would want them to have the same benefits that you have or better. So I wouldn't necessarily think about it in the sense of just you, but this is why children are moving back home with their parents and you're thinking, I'm going to have this great retirement. My kids are going to be off and on their own and they won't be. They'll be moving back in the house with you because their benefits don't even begin to match the benefits that you had uh, when you were working. And a lot of teachers' kids become teachers. So let's get into the specifics about the tiers. And I want to give you as much factual information as possible so that you understand what's happening. And for tier six members, it is important that you listen to some of the history so you know how you got to where you are and then are able to make better decisions 
that people in tier three and four didn't have to make because our tier kind of offers, not kind of, it actually offers better benefits than your tier and why it's more important for you to be engaged and understand your retirement benefits than it was for tier three and four. Because for three and four, we kind of like set it and, and leave, set it and forget it. We know if we work for 30 years, we can retire at 55 and we get our whole pension. We can start another career if we choose to. But when you think about the way the world is now and you have the fire movement and all these people who are retiring early and want to get their time back, COVID has impacted us in different ways. You may not want to work till you have to work until you're 63 years old. So it's important that you understand how your tier works and then make moves that allow you the flexibility to do what you want to do. So here is some of the history. So there are currently six tiers, uh, tier one and two. There are not a lot of members left um, who still work for the system. The majority right now are tier three, four and tier five, six. So what determines your tier? Your tier is determined by the year that you were hired. So if you were hired after September 1st of 1983, and and that means if you were a teacher or a para, you were hired after 19, uh, September 1st, 1983, and before December 31st, 2009, you are tier three and four. If you were hired after or on January 1st, 2010 until April, until March 31st, 2012, you are tier five. If you were hired after April 1st, of 2012, you are tier six. Again, tier four, September 1983 to December 31st, 2009. Tier five, January 1st, 2010 to March 31st, 2012. You are tier five. And if you're hired after April 1st of 2012, you are tier six. Okay. So what are the differences? So again, tier four, you can retire at 55 after 30 years of service. And your pension is reduced if you retire before you meet the 30 years of service. You vested, meaning that you were entitled to something after five years and you contributed 3% of your salary for 10 years of service. For tier five, you can retire at 57 years of age and 30 years of service. And if you retire with less years of service, your pension is reduced. 
you have to contribute 3.5% of your salary for the lifetime of your employment. So if you were hired in that sliver, you can retire at 57, but you contribute 3.5 to your pension for the lifetime of your um, service. Now, tier six, you can collect your full pension at age 63 and you're vested after 10 years of service and you must contribute to the retirement system for the lifetime of your employment and your contribution is based on a sliding scale from 3% to 6%. And what that looks like, how the sliding scale is decided is that let me look at my notes because I want to make sure that I give this to you correctly. Your, if you're making $45,000 or less, you contribute 3%. If you make $45,000 to $55,000, you contribute 3.5%. If you contribute between, if you earn 55,000 to 75,000, you contribute 4.5%. And if you are earning between 75,000 and 100,000, you contribute 5.75%. And if you're making over $100,000, you are contributing 6% to your pension. I'm going to put this chart along with a chart with the tiers in the show notes so that you're clear on what your numbers look like. So after you do that, that's how that's set up. So why am I recording this episode? I went to a final average salary calculation workshop on the TRS works on the TRS um, given by the TRS uh office last week and I was in shock um, because you usually only pay attention to your tiers, but I'm Ms. Black and I want to understand all the tiers and what that means because I'm about all teachers and money, not just tier three and four teachers and money. And so when I saw how the average salary was ca- was calculated and the fact that you cannot retire until you're 63 years old, I was like, do tier six members understand what their retirement system is? Does it make them feel stuck? Do How can they get around this? Like, so how do they make it do what it does? And for tier three and four members to understand that you want to advocate for your younger brothers and sisters uh, in education And I'm also going to drop in the show notes. There's a website called Fix Tier 6. So the major differences between, and I'm just sharing this Tier 6, not to make you feel bad, but to hopefully urge you to really plan your retirement now. Don't wait until you're five years out, 10 years out, because there are moves that you all can make right now that will impact and give you the ability to 
leave the system if that's what you choose to do before age 63. And I don't make this to encourage you to leave the system, but I just want you to have options. There is nothing worse than a educator working with students who doesn't want to work with students. And I understand that you need a paycheck and teaching is your profession and this is what you're choosing to do, but we're all humans, we all get tired and kids deserve our best every single day. And so you should just give yourself the option to opt out if you choose and to not feel stuck. And if you're a non-teacher listening to this podcast, this goes for you too. It doesn't matter if you're an educator or not. You want to give yourself retirement options so that you don't feel stuck. But if you're working with children, you want to give them the best. They deserve the best. And giving yourself options is really important. So if you go to the Fix Tier 6 website, there's a video that shows the disparity between a mother and a daughter who are both educators who teach the same subject um, and how the mom will be able to retire at 55 and the daughter won't be able to retire until 63. The mom stopped contributing at 3%. The daughter will contribute. She probably is contributing um, at this point up to the 6% mark. And she has to do that for her entire career and how that impacts her retirement. So again, the major difference is if a tier six member retires at 55 with 30 years, they would only receive 26.4% of their final average salary after they've paid more into the system than a tier four person. They can't retire and collect their pension without facing penalties until they are 63 years old. For tier four, you can retire at 50 years with 30 years of service at 60% of their final average salary. You can retire and collect your pensions penalty-free with 30 years of service. There are no caveats there. You're good um, to go. So tier six, what can you do about this? It's important that you contribute to, well, it's important that you contribute to other retirement options, such as your TDA, which is the tax deferred annuity handled by TRS. Also, you have the option to, and that's your 403B. You also have the option to contribute to deferred comp, the 457, which allows you to put the same amount of money that you're putting into the TDA as you do. You can put the same amount into deferred comp and in deferred comp, you have a pre-tax option and you have a post-tax option. Contributing to all, so contributing your required automatically, your pension contributions come out, right? So you have that no matter what. Then on your, on the side of your, Deferred comp, you have the option of doing pre-tax or post-tax post tax in the 457. And if you can afford to do that, then whichever makes sense to you, that's the one that you are going to contribute. Why? Because you may decide at 55, at 50, at 60, I'm ready to leave and I'm and I don't care, no pension penalty is going to make, going to stop me for doing that because 
I don't want to do this anymore. Having your TDA and your deferred comp will allow you a buffer. They will be another piece of your retirement pie. And if you start contributing to those two things today, until you decide to retire, you are earning interest. That interest will compound and you will have a bigger bucket, which will give you more options. I often talk about my retirement cake and as a tier four member, my pension is the cake, right? It's 60%. It will be 60% of my um, final average salary. uh, And that is the cake. My TDA is the frosting. And I could just eat plain cake, but I want some frosting. The TDA is my frosting. It's going to make the layers of my cake stick together. It, you know, that's money that I contribute. And then for me, deferred compensation is my candles. Why is it my candles? Because I want to blow out cake at retirement. So that's my retirement cake. And then I have Social Security, which are the sprinkles. There's always a debate. Will it be available to us? Won't it be available? I don't know. But I can have a good cake and be lacking the sprinkles. But I I want the cake. I want the frosting. And I want the candles. So it is imperative for Tier 6 members to make as beautiful a cake as they possibly can because the requirements for you to have the type of retirement that you want or to collect your full pension may not work for you. And TDA and deferred comp are your first lines of defense because you can contribute, you know, the max of the annual. So this year it's $22,500. And you can contribute that to your TDA and you can contribute that to your deferred comp if you are under 50 years old. If you are over 50 years old, you can do a catch-up amount of $7,500 into both of those, which means you can contribute $30,000 into your TDA and $30,000 into deferred comp, which would allow you to put away a significant amount of money that if you start early in tier six may negate the penalties that you would experience in your pension because you can annuitize your TDA and they'll tell you this is how much money you will get from us monthly for the rest of your life if you annuitize that amount. So the more money you put into it earlier, it's almost like a second pension for you. you. So really think about it. And people always ask me, which, you know, should I do the TDA before I do the deferred comp or vice versa? For a tier four member, I'm like, "Eh, whatever works for For you, I often encourage people to do TDA first because of that fixed return option that you have in the TDA. But if you don't choose that option, then TDA or deferred comp, same difference. 
except if you're tier six, because the TDA allows you to annuitize. And if you are pumping money, if you're maxing out your TDA every year and you do that for 30 years, you'll have a significant amount of money. And then you can annuitize and then doing that annuity, you may be able to say the penalty won't harm me because I can use my TDA to make it work. Those are the options that you have with exercising all of your benefits as a New York City teacher. So fix tier six, know what your retirement options are, and make the best decision so that you have flexibility at the end of working, whether that be the requirement set by the city and the state, or you choosing to opt out because you want to do something else. So what is the highest leverage action step that you can take? You need to, one, know what tier you're in, and two, explore your options so that you are giving yourself as much flexibility towards the end of your career as you can possibly have. Thank you for listening. Remember, stay in the black. Thank you for joining us this week at Staying in the Black. Subscribe to make sure you never miss a show and visit our website at stayingintheblk.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at stayingintheblk. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave a review in iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week when...